the Chris Oldcorn Show. Boy, do we have a fun show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump's poll numbers taking a nosedive down and Biden's taking a rocket ship up. Apparently, mm, American president not only was not only not popular in Canada, he's also not very popular in America either, which is a bad thing for him since it's a re-election year. We're also going to be talking about another disease we should be worried about as people go back to work. And Algoma Public Health has not told anyone to be concerned about this, but I'll tell you because what the heck. Public health units in the U.S. have been warning about it, so you should know too. Also, City Council last night. We're going to have a discussion on a bit of what went on in that council for the first part of it. We'll have more on the council meeting tomorrow as well. But we'll be right back in just a moment. Hold tight. And welcome back. Okay. There's something you need to be concerned about if you're going back to work in a building, in particular, if it's not been used in a while. Here's what it is. It's called Legionnaire's disease. You've probably heard about it, but this is why it's now a concern. Legionnaire's disease breeds in water that stays still. In other words, if you work in a building and the pipes have not had water flowing through them, it's just been sitting there, it's possible that it can build up. This is, these are perfect breeding grounds for Legionnaire's disease. It, and the problem is it also manifests itself very similar to what COVID-19 is. Uh, Legionnaire's, you get a fever, you get a dry cough, shortness of breath, and muscle pain. Uh, and it can cause severe pneumonia and can be fatal. So I'm going to use an example. There was a fair in North Carolina last year, and there was a hot tub, and there was Legionnaire's disease in that hot tub. And it was not being used. It was just water that was just sitting there. No one went in it. And 117 people contracted Legionnaire's disease and four died, all from stale water that was just sitting in a hot tub. We are all going back to buildings where the water has not been moving through the system. You know, the toilets haven't been being flushed, the people haven't been washing their hands because the buildings have basically been empty. So this is a major concern. We have millions of buildings across North America and like, are the health inspectors out there testing for this? Because they should. It, this is a, it's a bacteria, not a virus, which means uh, it can spread. You can actually just get it from droplets of water in the air uh, if you're near where Legionnaire's disease is in the water. It's a bacteria, so this is a big concern. It's not a virus. It's, it can spread faster than viruses, and you don't even have to come in super close contact with it. You just need to be in the area. So this is a big concern. So here's what American public health units are stressing to people who own buildings. Building owners are being urged to assess and clean any water systems on their premises before anyone re-enters. It's extremely important since the risk of Legionnaire's disease to recovered COVID-19 patients is unknown. So, we are not out of the woods with COVID-19 yet, and now also as we're going back to work, we need to worry about this. Now, I went to Algoma Public Health's website, because so I thought, hmm, they might have something on there about it. They have a small little thing in a generic section where they list all kinds of different viruses and bacteria and so on. Uh, that's a generic thing about Legionnaire's disease. There's nothing on their Facebook, their Twitter, uh, or on their website in a post that you know building owners should be worried about this. American public health units are warning about it. Canadian public health units should be warning about it. All right, now to my other favorite topic, Donald Trump. Okay, he's tanking. We all know it. Uh, he has the lowest approval rating of a president uh, since mm, Jimmy Carter and George H.W. Bush had going into their non-re-election years because they only got one term. 
Trump is in a big hole. So let's look at what the numbers were. This poll came out yesterday. Trump's approval ratings went down seven points in one month. In one month. Now, the majority of the reason it went down was uh, things connected to racism. People are now considering racism um, an important electoral issue right up there with the economy and healthcare. As a matter of fact, race, racism is actually ranking higher than the economy even. So, 38% of people approve of Trump's handling of the presidency, while 57% um, disapprove, disapprove. Now, in Canada, a 38% approval rating would actually almost get you a majority government most of the time. But in the states with the two-party system, 38% of people approving of what you're doing, that's not good. And if you look at the number of who would you vote for president today, that number only goes up to 41% if there was an election today, that 41% of people would vote for Trump. Here's the really kicker to them. 55% would support Biden. That's a massive gap in a two-horse race. Massive. That big of a gap is huge. That big of a gap is... It, you're, the Republican Party could be looking at getting wiped out in states that they would normally... Uh, they call them purple states because sometimes they go Republican, sometimes they go Democrat. Combine red and blue, creates purple. A lot of those purple states, either the Democrats or the Republicans, have to win a good chunk of them to be able to get the presidency. And we saw this in the last election with Donald Trump. He only... He, he, he basically, about 50,000 votes, decided the entire presidency in uh, the 2016 elections. Now, let's start looking at something about Trump and how he handles race. 63% of people disapprove of how Donald Trump has handled race over the last four years. 65% say that the president's response to these protests from George Floyd's death and all the protests that have been going on, not only in the U.S., but around the world. However, they say his responses... 65% are saying that it has been more harmful than helpful. The President of the United States, when there is an uproar in society and there's protests, the purpose of a president is to help bring people together. Donald Trump's words have not been bringing people together. He's been making the situation worse. Now, here's the very interesting thing. And this is a, a, th these numbers have never been seen before, by the way. 84% of people approve of the pe peaceful protests. That is a number that we've never seen before of people approving a protest. And 27% say they approve of the violent protests. Now, to put this into perspective, the only other times that we've actually seen this and we've polled it, the number for people approving of violent protests was at 16%, and now it's at 27 That is a huge gap. And Donald Trump has fueled some of those uh, protests with his rhetoric. It's very dangerous, and he needs to start dialing it back. He needs to start acting presidential, or you know what? In November, we might be saying President Biden. I'll be right back after the break with stuff on city council last night. And welcome back. Okay, last night was the uh, city council meeting. Uh, first off, it didn't stream because they couldn't figure out how Zoom works and how to stream that on the YouTube. However, the council meeting was put up this morning, so I've had a chance to listen to most of it so far. So I'm going to just go through about a couple things at council meeting last night over the next few minutes, give you an idea of what happened. Um, let's talk about, I just talked about the uh, George Floyd's protests in the U.S. He was the um, man who the police officers, four of them knelt on him, and he passed away. He suffocated. 
uh, and there have been massive protests uh, talking about racism uh, and how blacks are not treated the same as whites in the policing system. Now, the mayor uh, this past week um, participated in a couple different things connected to uh, Black Lives Matter uh, and also uh, organizations here locally. So, the mayor admits that he has failed in the last five years in addressing racism appropriately in the city, both in the policing department and in the city as a whole. Now, he participated on Saturday. Uh, Okano had a session, a two-hour session on Saturday for community members. It was like an online Zoom session. Uh, the mayor participated in one hour of that to listen to stories from people. Uh, he wasn't able to do both uh, hours, um, but good on him for, uh, for showing up for an hour of that. Uh, and also, uh, in that, someone uh, commented about a post that he had made earlier in this year celebrating something. He didn't say what it was, uh, but there was only white people in that photo, and someone found that to be offensive uh, because there wasn't anyone in the photo who wasn't white. Uh, and that's not, you know, an, a sample of what Sault Ste. Marie is. And the mayor wants action, not statements, going forward uh, with regards to what we're going to do with policing and also other uh, aspects of the local government here. Okay, so that's where that stands. Now, there's something called a consent, consent agenda in each council meeting. It's when you put a bunch of things below it, you talk about it, but basically you vote on the whole thing instead of voting on each one individually. Now, last night, uh, in the consent agenda, there was the elimination of single-source plastics. Now... Girardi had that pulled, so it went out of the consent agenda. So we'll talk about that uh, now separately. Now, this is what it is. Um, the resolution is basically stopping single-source plastics from being used. Uh, and they, the way the report was put in, it was, it was pretty weak in terms of what it was suggesting, how it was going to do it. It's connected to another part of the consent agenda, which is actually about um, the blue box and changes that are going to take place in 2023. Um, this was pulled because uh, certain councillors feel that we can do stuff faster. So, for example, Christian, uh, Councillor Christian, uh, suggested that we put in some sort of a tax incentive to get businesses to move away from single-source plastics. Uh, Hollingsworth, um, she made some great points. Um, I must commend Hollingsworth. She, she's really on it for uh, environmental issues. Uh, she suggested that there's simple things we can do now. For example, we could, she used this as an example, John Rhodes uh, Community Center, uh, which is over near where I live, um, eliminate plastic bottles from the bottling machines and selling them on site and make the, make the actual people who want to sell products there sell it in stuff that is not a single-use plastic. Um, Scott, uh, Scott's great. I've had him on the show before. Very, very smart guy. He's younger, but he's, he's, got, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He doesn't want us to wait three to five years to do something. He wants something to be done now. He also suggested we create incentives. And he said that anything we can do right now, immediately, we should. And so he was backing up Hollingsworth, for example, with the elimination of single-use plastics uh, in facilities that the city owns. So it would extend beyond just John Rhodes, but that was the example Hollingsworth was, was, was using. Now, Councillor Bruni, um, he talked about uh, COVID-19 and some changes that have happened because of COVID-19. Now, when we used to go food shopping, you could take your own bags. My bags are still sitting in the back of my vehicle. I haven't been allowed to use them since COVID-19 started because they wouldn't let the bags into the store because they could be carrying something. You were given plastic bags instead. 
he suggested, you know, what would we do in the future if this happened again? If we eliminated plastic bags, but then we're not allowed to use our own bags, what happens? So this is what he suggested. He said, go to the companies and ask them what they do. If they didn't have plastic bags and we couldn't use the recyclable bags that you can use over and over again, what would those grocery stores and pharmacies and so on do? You know, go to the Walmarts, go to Pinot's, go to Metro, go to Food Basics and say, what would you do if you couldn't use plastic bags and you weren't allowed to use the recycle bags? Figure out what, they're, what they would say, because maybe they've dealt with this elsewhere in the world or in Canada. Also, Shoemaker, he talked about something that was very interesting. He talked about this was just a legal thing telling companies that they can't use single source plastics anymore. That's a legal thing. What he said is there's nothing in this report that says incentives. So this is what we heard over and over again from the counselors that spoke up talking about this uh, resolution. Let's talk about incentives. Incentives, incentives. That's what they said over and over again. Yes, we can legally put something in to force companies to do it, but why not put in incentives now and why not do things that we can do, such as Holling, Hollingsworth's suggestion of removing single source plastics from like John Rhodes Arena, for example. So these are all great suggestions. Um, I do think that we need to do something. Plastics are filling up our oceans. We know that uh, and it's time we act. And I'm glad that some of these counselors spoke up and said, we need to act now. We can't wait, you know, five years. So I'll be right back after the break. Hold tight. Oh boy, was that a fun show tonight. I always love talking about those topics. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter, at Chris Oldcorn. You can also listen to the audio version of this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcasting platforms. I'll be back here tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for special reports. Until then, have a good evening, and I'll see you in the morning. <laughs>